0: I'm actually thinking that on the airplane, I'm going to take my over-ears also and turn the noise cancelling on on those and put my in ear box. noise cancelling <laughs> <Ooh>, yeah, <laughs> And just go f***ing
1: <laughs> silent. Butterscotch Hey everybody, welcome to episode 361 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the webs programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business and working in the games industry. Today's April 27th, 2020. U. Before we get started, we have a warning there's going to be profanity in this show. And we also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a donation and message from Illegal Pirate who says, Whoa. "Hello guys, I found y'all through Crashlands." but I pirated it. Later though I bought it. But here's four buckaroonies to make amends. Will y'all <laughs> forgive me?
2: <laughs> you are
1: forgiven. Uh yeah, you know that's you, you know you you got there. You took a circuitous path but you got there. So mm-hmm. we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the idea of the illegal pirate
0: since yeah, the implication. Yeah, yeah, that's a there, different so. kind a of pirate kind. from
1: the le- yeah, from yeah. the legal ones. <laughs> Uh, I think a legal pirate is someone who like plays a, f- a free to play game and never buys a microtransaction. You know, yeah. Ooh, or right, I wonder if like true.
0: you know, there's the idea that if you if you uh, regulate something, say like drugs, right, and it's like you make it so it's still kind of illegal, but as long as you get your license and you're doing it within some range, et cetera, mm-hmm. then it's fine, right? So has that ever happened with pirate? Because like pirates. that's actually a story that comes up for like managing and like uh, sci-fi and. various stories of like the way that the underworld kind of gets managed is by actually having like licensing systems and stuff. Like you see this come up like frequently in comics and all kinds of stuff. Has that ever actually happened? Like, was there ever a piracy license that you could just like a hunting license? As long as you only, you know, sink two ships or whatever. and, And as long as you're sporting about it and don't use, cannons, but just to use bows and, bows and arrows or something,
1: you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is just what war is, right? It's, like, stuff that's that normally super illegal and bad, and it's like, yeah, we're going to go, like, steal all this shit and kill all these people and stuff, but, like, we have a flag while we're doing it, so it's, mm. it's legit, you yeah. know? Yeah. We're doing it – we're paid, and we're doing it on behalf of this country, and if you have a problem with it, then go talk to all the old people that we put in a room mm-hmm. over there, yeah. you know? Uh, that's – so, yeah, there's there's totally legal legal everything. Turns yeah. out if you, if you do it in that context, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about some stuff that happened in the world this week. Yeah. Uh, so first we we'll talk about Netflix. Mm, yes. Okay. So little back, a little backstory. Uh, so, so Netflix, as we know, is the, you know, the streaming service where you, you, uh, can watch just everything. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be anyways, uh, Netflix has been around for a long time. They've been around since like 2006 or something, and they were just nothing at that time. Mm -hmm. And everybody thought it was kind of a joke because they would mail DVDs to your house uh, because internet connection speeds weren't good enough to stream, right? So YouTube was was just kind of appearing at that time. And so the idea of- Everything was at
0: 480p. On YouTube, yeah, Ooh, video yeah.
1: quality was garbage. Yeah, and so the I recently of- saw
0: one of those like old, old ass YouTube meme videos. You know that I saw like when YouTube first came out, and my memory of it was like this Shit. very sharp thing. But when I watched it, it was like, oh yeah,
1: they look <laughs> some <laughs> some of them are two- four- they're two two forty, like 240p, yeah. from the early days. Yeah, so um, the idea of trying to watch a, a movie or a TV show uh, on a on an online streaming platform was just this like laughably bad idea, mm-hmm. you know, at that time. Um, and on top of that, people's TVs didn't have any way of, you know, displaying the stuff from the internet anyways. There was no like Roku box at that time or yeah. smart TVs or, you know, whatever. So, so there were so many kind of uh, technological hurdles to it that Netflix's original business model was just – make D, uh, uh, just have a DVD warehouse and you would go onto their website and pick the DVDs you wanted and you'd add them to your queue and then they would mail you the next DVD and and you would take the previous DVD that you got and put it in a little envelope and it would and send it back to them. So it's just like a video library basically that you would subscribe to. Um, and over time then they added their streaming service by I think around like 2000 uh maybe like 2009 or something like that so it took a few years for them to get the web streaming stuff off the ground um and throughout the course of this like DVD thing plus the web streaming thing they just absolutely annihilated blockbuster video which was like the the big uh, mm-hmm. video rental service um at least in the. US I don't know I don't know if blockbuster was international but Mm um and the kind of the the lesson at the time was the idea that like blockbuster had this incoming you know threat from netflix and just kind of laughed it off and didn't change anything about their business model Mm -hmm. and they just got absolutely wrecked right people stopped going to video stores they just subscribed to netflix um and on top of that, the content streaming stuff was difficult enough to pull off in terms of making it so that the streaming was uh, cheap to maintain for your servers, that it was affordable for people, you know, whatever, that Netflix was just the only game in town for for a long time. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to watch stuff online, you just got Netflix. They had such right. a head
0: start. And also their whole business strategy was all around like, how do we hire all of the smartest most intense people and mm-hmm. work and then work their work, work them to the bone. Cause that is also part of what the, the process was. Uh, but everybody else uh, trying to catch up since then hasn't done the same amount of just like going all in, you know, mm-hmm. and like truly investing aggressively in the whole thing. And so they managed to, even when some big entities started to try to play catch up, just none of them threw what was required at the problem. And so Netflix had this huge head start by literal years, but then a much bigger head start by human, uh, human, just human just expertise, knowledge, that, expertise yeah, years, yeah. you know, and uh, nobody could catch up until well, the past couple of years, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nobody could catch up. And on top of that, um, Netflix kind of, it started as a movie thing. Like you wouldn't go to blockbuster and like rent a TV show. Like that wasn't really a thing that, that you did. It was always about movies. Um, and, Once you had things like Breaking Bad coming to Netflix and The Walking Dead and some of these shows that at the time were, you know, a really big cultural phenomenon and a big deal, you know, more and more people got Netflix. So Netflix was kind of in this uh, growth model where they just kept gaining subscribers continuously. Just every single month, they had more subscribers and they had more money than they knew what to do with. And so, uh, they kind of like how steam treats their, um, their, their game codes and stuff where it's like, they didn't really care what their users did. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like password sharing, you could give your password to 50 people and you could all be on the same Netflix account. You could use your parents' password. They didn't care, you know, because yeah. there was was subscriber numbers the just kept going up. Yeah. It was because the terms but yeah. they didn't,
0: you know, they, didn't, they didn't do anything
1: about it.
2: Well, it's, like it's um, one of those things it's hard to enforce. And so it becomes, uh. Yeah. Actually doing, performing the security stuff required to like actually effectively do something like block password sharing, but without pissing off people who are like in like the same house or happen to be in a different town for the evening or whatever else, um, is, is actually
1: very challenging and costly. Yeah. It's hard and to and not get a lot of, there.
2: yeah. It generates a lot of uh,
1: customer complaints. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the only kind of like really rocky thing that happened with Netflix was in, um, I want to say like 2010 or 11 when they decided to split their service where they broke the DVD and streaming aspects of the service into two parts. Oh, I forgot. And, that. and their stock price collapsed at that time because everybody panicked because it was like, this is a terrible move. Uh, cause what it was, was that, uh, you would, you would, instead of paying what you were paying, uh, then previous, like your, your new subscription would just cover your streaming. And if you wanted to keep getting DVDs, then you would have to pay extra. Right. Uh, because of course, like shipping and mailing and storing DVDs is way more expensive than having a server. Right. Um, and so, uh, so everybody panicked and they're like, oh God, Netflix is going to die now. And so their, their share price <laughs> dropped by, I don't know, like 30% or something. Um, and But then it just immediately bounced back because it turned out that only like 0.5% of their users were even doing DVDs anymore at that point already. Um, and so it just didn't really affect anything well they
2: canceled the idea they, they ended up not doing it they didn't split the company off because it was like quick quick stir oh yeah well
1: they, they were going to split the company into like two pieces yeah. they, they had like so many just really bad weird announcement ideas and then they ended up just not doing that and instead they just had like uh, two different um, like pieces of your subscription where you could, you could do the streaming and you could do the DVD and you could like independently subscribe right. to each Um, but that was like a big deal and everybody thought it was going to, you know, collapse, but it still turned out to be the case that like, uh, if you wanted to watch the stuff on, if you wanted to watch stuff online, you're going to get Netflix Mm -hmm. because again, like what, no matter what they did, it didn't matter. Um, so as of the past few years, you started to see this huge amount of fragmentation in uh, video streaming. So it's like you got Amazon Prime Video, you got Peacock and Disney Plus and HBO Max and you know uh, Apple TV mm-hmm. or Apple TV Plus. Yeah, yeah. there's a plus on it. whatever. There. Everything has to have a plus on it. That's a rule. Um, yeah, and because it used to be the case that all these other companies they were making content and then they would license it to Netflix, mm-hmm. right? And then Netflix would have you know whatever the office and all this other stuff on there. And so all, all as part of all these streaming services uh, coming into existence, they're also pulling their stuff off of Netflix, right? So Netflix is sort of gaining competition and also losing quality, quality content um, at the same time. Right. And so it was only a matter of time before kind of the, the jig is up. Mm -hmm. Right. Because no. Nobody's going to subscribe to twenty different streaming services at the same time, uh, and the new kind of behavior for for uh, customers is: you see a show that you're interested in, you go subscribe to that service for that month, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you watch the show, and then you unsubscribe, right? Because nobody wants to be continuously subscribed to everything. There's just not enough time in the world to watch all this stuff, right? And so, uh, so this past, I think it was this past week, Netflix announced their first ever. Decline in subscribers uh, for the for the quarter. So they they have fewer subscribers than they did than they did the quarter before, um, and this caused their share price to collapse by like two, thirds. two thirds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it was like six hundred dollars pretty recently, and now it's like two hundred something, um, and. On top of that, after they announced this you know, subscriber collapse, and then they also, as part of their kind of means of trying to, uh, you know, calm down their panicked shareholders, they're like, "Don't worry, we have plans on how we're going to keep our revenues up, even though our subscriber count is declining." And uh, for starters, you know, we're just going to raise prices, right? Like, we're like they just they they keep raising prices um, so that whoever sticks around is just going to pay more. Um, And then they are planning on cracking down on password sharing. So they've announced a bunch of policies that they're going to try to start implementing to make it so that uh, your account is almost like geo locked where like they'll know whether you're in your house or not based on like where you're at with your IP address. And then if if your IP address changes, then that's considered like an external account. And then you have to like pay extra to use that uh, account, right. Um, and, uh, they're also planning on, or or they're, they announced they're thinking about, um, adding additional (laughs) price tiers, including a slightly lower price tier that shows you ads, right. So you have to watch ads, uh, on on there. Right. And so, um, all of this is like, uh, the the best analogy. Yeah. What's the, what's the deal? Yeah, Yeah. What's happening is that, is that, Everything in capitalism assumes infinite growth right up until it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? And so so when you think about the share price of Netflix, the share price is people saying, I think this company, you know, given past performance, if we forecast into the future and say like, okay, Netflix has grown by, you know, 10% per quarter since 2010 in terms of their revenues or whatever. Um, so given that that has been true, that's just going to keep being true forever, yeah, it's the whole idea of which like, is of, sh- which is of course
2: yeah displaying a hockey <laughs> stick model right as they call it which is the the revenue graph that just sort of goes up and to the right right um,
1: yeah increasing speed yeah. but it's but it's the it's the assumption that um, that the everything that's going to happen in the future is supposed to be baked into the current share price of a stock except the future is completely unknown and it's all built on assumptions. And the core assumption of any capitalist endeavor is that it can grow forever, Mm -hmm. which is literally never true. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we're not, we're not the Borg, right? (laughs) You can't have like, we are all now Netflix. Every company is Netflix. Netflix is everything. (laughs) Uh, Because that's what happens. If one thing grows at 10% per quarter, Forever, right? Like it, there would be no room for literally any other thing on Earth. It would consume all the resources, and we would all well. But also, yeah, the the growth is is it's by
0: taking resources from one place and allocating them somewhere else, right? That's like how that's how yeah. So
1: everything can't infinitely grow. Even if one thing could infinitely
0: grow, you know. It can't do that. Everything
1: else would be consumed. Yeah. It,
0: like it can't be that this is why capitalism is so dumb, right? You can't have you can't have a hundred companies that are all like, yes, we're all gonna grow just indefinitely, bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like where where is everything coming yeah. from to make that yeah. happen?
1: So then this collapse in share price is basically like suddenly the future is different now. The assumption of infinite permanent growth is no longer there, and the share price collapses, right? And it's, the, it's always the stated purpose of, of a publicly traded company that their their purpose for existing is to maximize the wealth of their shareholders. So Netflix's job is not to provide high quality streaming content to their customers. Their job is to generate as much revenue as possible, or rather generate as much profit as possible to maximize the wealth of their shareholders, right? And so if they, if they do things that alienate most of their customers or implement bad policies or whatever... As long as they end up with more profit next quarter, uh, then that was a good business move because that's your only metric, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea of, of um, the password sharing thing, raising the prices, all of this is, is built on the assumption that since they're a subscription service, people generally don't pay attention to them. It's just a thing that's kind of happening in the background on a recurring credit card or whatever. And if they raise prices by you know, from 15 bucks to 17 bucks or something like that, then most people won't notice. Mm-hmm. Right. And like they don't have to actually give you anything for the money that they're charging. They don't have to increase the quality of their service. They don't have to do anything. And then same thing with the password sharing. They can update their terms and say that, you know, if you have an external account, it's going to be three dollars extra per month. That's just a that's just a ham-fisted price increase, mm-hmm. right? With like a like a dumb justification on top of it. And again, they're assuming that people won't won't notice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, problem is like they did all this stuff at once on top of a huge collapse in share price. Well, and then and announced. People are, it.
0: People are noticing. That. <laughs> they yeah. announced because, like, yeah, I mean, this is one of those. It's just so dumb because if they just over even a even a quarter like that short of a time period, if they just rolled out a set of changes like the ones they're describing here, because they would rolled these out. These are things that they announced they're going to do, right? Yeah. To 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 reduce shareholder concerns. Which is so hilarious because of course what it actually did was be like, oh no, nobody's going to like any of this, right? And so it actually has the exact opposite effect. Uh, but if they had just rolled these things out, I think about like what Google does, right? Google just like all of a sudden there's still be like, oh, we're gonna cancel this service in like six months, and then they just do it. It's not coupled to anything. There's no like, yeah, earnings call now or you know, whatever. When they roll out new features and stuff, they just do it. It's just it just happens. Yep and people get mad here and there but there's never like a concerted it's not all a happening concerted at all. Yeah, all but, but happening again at that's once, you know
1: but they will and the thing is like this is this is the the trajectory that every company will have right which is that there's a there's a period where they seemingly can do no wrong because they did something that mm-hmm. was innovative enough and big enough that uh, every decision that they make is essentially meaningless because they just keep going up. Yeah. Right? And Google is so like a good example like,
0: of this because of like
1: they, they make so much money off of Google ads.
0: Like an un- And they keep God, making they, more. And they keep making yeah. more. It's a yeah. money printing machine, right? So that literally every other product that they have, like think about they they have like what, 150,000 employees or some just wild thing, right? And what all of those people are doing in the end is propping up. Their ad selling machine. Ads. Because even with all the other stuff they have, like Gmail and G Suite and all these stuff, right? Those don't make anything compared to that ad money that comes in, right? And I think we're actually seeing this too now with Google only quietly, because anybody who's into Google stuff, like Google Workspaces and all that, will have been seeing that lately for the past like mm-hmm. six months, maybe a year. Uh, they've been kind of all of a sudden, they've, they've been monetizing their services, rolling yeah. out. Different and, and like hitting hitting higher business tiers of things that previously weren't available, adding lots of features to Google Workspaces, actually investing into Google Docs, which they haven't really done that much with, you know, past like kind of a spare feature here and there.
1: Decade. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. And like and it, yeah. Lo- and it looks like they're trying to position themselves as a competitor to like the Microsoft suite of tools, right? Yep. Um, and like Microsoft, in contrast, is exactly the opposite. Like all of their money comes from selling at the enterprise level mm-hmm. Windows and Microsoft Office suite, right? And sure, they do a million other things, but like that doesn't do anything compared to
2: to that.
1: Yeah, so so all these companies are trying to keep making more money every quarter than you did the previous. Because if you make the same amount of money, that's a problem.
2: Yeah, well, this this is the thing I want to hit, though, because I think this is what's fascinating. If you looked at – because I saw some graph of Netflix's actual breakdown in uh, in revenue Mm -hmm. and – they still they may they still make on like pure profit like thirty billion dollars yeah over the quarter yeah why do they so need like more You got to be real about like what's happening here in terms of like uh, well they
1: they need more because they need to continually increase the share price right yeah. So if you think about it this way like yeah. like if you say here's this company Netflix they make sixty billion dollars a year or whatever. Um, and they're just going to keep doing that literally every year forever. They're just going to keep making sixty billion dollars every single year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to buy a share of that company? I would no, if they did because
0: uh, if they did because if that was dividends. if a lot of that was profit, they did dividends. But they don't do do Nobody does dividends. Exactly. Like, like, well, and and the right, the right? good is, is yeah. you don't need to do dividends because like that's fallen out of you know favor, right? And so it's yeah. all about gambling on the price of the stock, which requires it just to. Which
1: requires continuous down. growth in yeah. profit, right? But th- but it's also the case that it, it does require continuous growth in profit. So so uh, one of the things that you know like has been going on with the big uh, Activision Blizzard shit show mm-hmm. over the past you know five ten years is uh, they they keep having increases in quarterly profits, but their number of players isn't really increasing and. They aren't releasing products that are outperforming their prior products. You know, none of that stuff is happening. So what are they doing instead? They're just firing people like crazy. You know, they're shutting down entire divisions. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, our revenue didn't really move that much this quarter. So how we generate profit if you have the same revenue? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, People were expecting us to go up by 3%, you know, this quarter compared to last quarter or whatever. Uh, We didn't. So let's fire 800 customer service reps. And bingo, you know, you've 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 now made up the difference. Yeah, the really and hard so, part
0: that they like that's like is such a struggle, you know, is how do they also pay their C-suite more? Because mm-hmm. like the number of people they have to fire to offset how much they compensation they add to their C-suite, you know, it's a
1: big challenge. The like, compensation like, is largely in stock options, right? And so like that's that's the kicker. The, the C-suite mm-hmm. rarely gets a salary that's that's. Mm-hmm. Even remotely a a visible percentage of their compensation. So, and the way that the stock options work is basically they say like, "Hey, Bobby, Bobby Mm -hmm. Kotick, you can you can buy X number of shares um, at this future date for this price. So you can buy shares at thirty bucks or something. Um, And so the the higher that CEO pushes the share price uh, in the intervening time, so that it hits a peak point at that time. And when they mm. can exercise their options, the bigger the gap is. Even right? if can, the necessary consequence the of having
0: reached that moment is that it causes It's completely destroying
1: the company. Yeah. 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 Because the CEO doesn't have they, – no, they don't need to maximize the long-term value of the share. They just need to maximize it to the point where they can exercise their stock options and pocket you know, $200 million or, or whatever. Right? It's
2: really not challenging so, to see
1: uh, you know, once, you, once you've done game design for a while. Right. The incentives How, are clearly pointing towards specific outcomes. Yeah, like it's, it's really,
2: it's, it's unfortunate, right? Because it's like, uh, you know, you end, up with, you end up with a lot of these just, there, it ends up being just very bizarre, frankly, when you look at on the face of it, where you're like, okay, so yeah, Netflix still made, you know, these tens of billions of dollars in profit. Um, everyone loses their mind. Netflix starts clamping down, uh, you know, doing a bunch of things that just are going to annoy everybody. Um, they canceled a bunch of shows, which can't be good in the long run. Really, when you get down to it, um, in terms of like adding, you know, like brand new shows that had never even potentially struck out. Like that's how you find new giant hits and stuff like that, right? Um, it's just weird.
1: The whole thing's just well. This really is this weird. is where this is where people start clamping down on um, on R and D, right? So we it's, kind of talked about how like uh, with with Apple, you know, they got the iPad or they got the iPhone, then they got the iPad, which is a big iPhone that you can't make phone calls on, right? Um, And, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of where they landed, you know, like they made their big innovative move. They created a market and, uh, they're not going to do anything hugely disruptive because they would be disrupting themselves. Right. Yeah. And so, so companies and like, once they start doing really well, they enter this cash extraction phase where, they try to keep things the same as they are and just pull as much money out of what they've done. Well, in this defensive can.
0: phase, where they're trying to, where they're throwing up roadblocks to other entities disrupting them, right? Which is yeah, This yeah. is why you got them them, out, yeah, the monopolistic down,
2: behavior, whatever. all the buyouts, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if one of the one of the signals for this though is uh, is the book that there's always a book that comes out that usually the founder of the company. Rights or like a yeah, couple which of Which is like f- here's
1: how amazing my company is and yes. why, how we have achieved all the great things we did. It really seems
2: like after if you if you release one of those, and then if you look about five to ten years later, the company's no longer at that where everyone's just like, Oh my god, you're just following it. Which was this was what was happening. Netflix, you know, everyone people copied their uh their like human resources model, um all sorts of like Well everybody looks and
1: stuff. everybody looks at what the company's doing. Like culturally, internally, you know, mm-hmm. and tries to use that to explain their success, but it's literally almost always a first mover advantage by some big R and D development, right? Well,
0: mm-hmm. no, and, and like, a proper investment of some sort. Yeah. So, as you're saying, it's always the R and D, right? Because like the reason that Netflix came out on top was because they saw that market that wasn't being taken up and they thought they could do it and they threw everything at it
1: until they got it. Yeah. And nobody else believed that it could be done yeah. or that it would be too expensive or whatever. And so they, they you know, these snooze, you lose. Yeah. And, right? and to be fair, and most companies would have gone
0: out of business trying to do it. Right. So yeah, they were lucky. They, yeah. And they did good work and they, you know, saw the thing that's definitely not always how it turns out, but that's
1: basically a requirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then you look at like, like you're saying, Sam, these books or, are- presentations or whatever, where you, where you see these um, CEOs or high-level people in these companies talking about like, here's here's how our company does the things that we do and how we're so successful, right? And they've got all kinds of, com- each each one of these is a completely different set of ideas of like what it means mm-hmm. to run your business and how you should treat people and how compensation should work or whatever it is. Um, and none of those things are actually the real thing, which is like they got there first and now they're, you know, now any decision they make or whatever they do is, essentially arbitrary and secondary to the fact that they cornered a market immediately and they can't they can do no wrong for some mm-hmm. amount of time, right? And then at a certain point, they can they can do wrong because they have competitors and uh, and it didn't really matter in the end that they had this like really magic special formula that they thought they were using to manage their company uh, because the competition, you know, the market changes and if you don't change, then you're, you're done, right? Uh, yeah, if you so don't disrupt yourself, really somebody one. else is going to. Yeah, uh, which yeah, which does mean, you know, which means taking those gambles on things that might, quote, cannibalize your existing market, right? Um, very hard to do. Which is always, yeah, it's hard to do. So, and it's very interesting. Uh, I'm happy to report that I do not own any Netflix stock because <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have been great. Um, but it's been it's been interesting to to watch the saga. Uh, yeah, but if you like to buy steep. stocks low, you know those are some low stocks right now. That's not to say mm, it's I a wouldn't good investment. necessarily buy this one though. No. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. Though, but... I don't know what their long term plan is, other than panic and jack up prices, <laughs> um, which mm-hmm. isn't a very inspiring <laughs> growth plan. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so as we'll talk about the movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Uh, So So, no, no spoilers. I'll, I'll just say I think just briefly because I want once Adam uh,
2: sees it, then I think we could probably actually discuss it a bit. But I think until then, simply they nailed it, and you should go see it. Very firm. It's a very firm directive, actually, too, because it's one of the. It's an incredible piece of. Go see it. Yeah, it gets in your bones in a great way. And it's very, it, it has a positive and sort of uplifting feeling to it uh, at the end, which I think is, you know, just useful, frankly, about now. So go see it.
1: It's yeah. Okay. I, had, I had an interesting experience afterwards where I was talking with, uh, so I went and saw it with the, with the dads and we were all talking about it afterwards. And it was kind of one of those, like, what do you think was like the big, you know- Yeah. What was that the, about? The, mes- the message or like the big metaphor takeaway. Um and each of us has sort of like three or four things that we thought that were like the salient points of the film but each of us had completely different ones
2: mm-hmm.
1: like we all took something totally differently away from it
0: it's a mirror i feel
1: like yeah i feel like this is like the the Rorschach inkblot of movies you know mm-hmm. where like whatever your whatever your life experiences are or whatever you're kind of like going through or have gone through or you know um you will see that Me in near. this film uh and it'll make you think about it. It's, it's wild how they did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely check it out. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it's just in theaters yep. right now. Yep. So, uh, uh, and then also before we get to questions, uh, Adam has a product to plug. This isn't a sponsor. This is just something Adam's oh, yeah. excited about. Yeah.
0: So I I love noise canceling headphones. There's being able just to shut out the world, you know, it's just the best. It's just the best. Problem is, is that the good ones are your over ear, you know, giant and things, which even when they're at their most comfortable, like if you're wearing glasses and just wearing those things all day, even when you're not wearing glasses, it's just like, it just kind of touches your ears. And like after There's after a while, it's just horrible. So, yeah. so for our earlier days at Scotch, I would wear, I got some nice Bose noise canceling headphones. We all got had them um, and I would just wear them all the time. And then just at the end of every day, like my ears would kind of hurt, you know? <laughs> And, uh, but whatever, it was just like the price of having a nice little silent space. Um, mm-hmm. and then more recently as I've been working from home so I can control my environments a little bit better Then I've tried various, just in ear. So I don't have to deal with the, the whole apparatus. Overhead. Just the overhead, just, <laughs> just some earbuds, <laughs> the overhead. <laughs> and, uh, and I've tried various <laughs> kinds of, cause they, they, they do have noise canceling earbuds. Right. But, uh, there, when I first started my search for them, there there weren't very many models. It's become like more and more common over the past probably like year and a half in particular. Um, and I've tried a few. like trying to try to find some various cheap ones, you know. Like and they do okay, uh, but nothing compared to your over ear like your Bose, you know, top of the line deals. So I don't know. It was like a it was like a, like a year and a half ago. Um, I was on a, I was on yet another search on the internet for like your annual noise canceling earbuds. And there was an announcement that Bose had put up where they were like, we're taking our our technology, we're putting it into a wireless earbud. And I was like, fuck yes, this is what this is what I've been wanting, you know. And then they had an announcement date for like 2020. And then that all. It, so oh, then, no. then it basically took fucking forever. And they finally they finally came out, I think, <laughs> I think six months ago, maybe, maybe something like that. And uh, by that time, the field had gotten really competitive, actually, because like yeah, Apple AirPods do some noise canceling. Uh, Sony's got like, everybody's got some noise canceling earbuds now, but they still came out swinging and every review everywhere was like, you cannot beat these for noise canceling. Mm. However, along basically every other dimension, you can beat them, (laughs) including (laughs) price, like the software that you use, how could they are connecting to stuff like aesthetics and blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. Uh, so like those reviews came out and I was like, ah, fuck. Right. what, (laughs) what. Cause like my priority is the noise canceling in ear. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's not an unbearable experience in all their ways, you know, then that's fine. But it sounded maybe unbearable because they didn't even have like because they because they have like that you could touch them to make them do things like with most of your buds, you know, right these days. Uh But one of the things that that didn't include was volume for some fucking reason, right? So like <laughs> <laughs> the one thing you probably but they like, but they had yeah they had some other feature that was like 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 the right bud did this one thing that. Who the fuck even needs that, you know? But the one that everybody does need. That, you know? So it was like stuff like that, just weird design choices. Uh, so I'm about to go on a trip this weekend for a wedding. And I was thinking about being on the airplane again. And I was like, oh, I need to pack my giant ass, you know, over-ear noise-canceling earphones. I was like, wait a second. I should just bite the bullet and just like whatever's out there right now that is the best thing for in-ear noise-canceling earbuds. Just like get them and try them. Did my search again. And then it was still like nobody can beat the Bose in-ear noise canceling, supposedly. And I was like, "That is the thing. That's my priority. That's what I want. So I'll just get them. Just get them. You know, get them and try it." And uh, and they've improved some of their software, so that some of those other stupid decisions are improved. Mm -hmm. So I finally got them. I plugged them in, and I was like, and it was just, it was, it was like putting on the uh, over-ears for the first time, like when I first did that, where I was like, "The fuck!" Just magic. Just magic. Just everything goes quiet, you know? And so I was like, I would like go to the bathroom and turn the bathroom fan on. So it's just like that loud rumble, you know? And then it just goes down to like barely anything, you know? Or like washing dishes. Yeah. And it looks like, it sounds like the water is trickling when it's like coming out full blast, you know, kind of kind of stuff. <laughs> you just barely hear it. Just barely hear it. And it was like, and I was like, ah! Oh. And I started to listen to music. because, and So I haven't been doing noise canceling for quite some time really because it's just too uncomfortable where the good, you know, mm. headphones. So I've just been... Wearing earbuds. And so I'd forgotten how different and how much better just music and like game sounds, like anything, how much better that shit sounds when you're
1: canceling everything else out. You know? Yeah, oh. when you don't have random other sounds mixed Creeping in. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> so I was listening. There's some,
0: cause like I tend to listen just to music on repeat. So I have uh, like my Dar- Danny Baranowski soundtrack stuff, you know, that I can still on programming and all that. Um, and lots of other just like, you know, my random mixes on the uh, streaming services I use. And so like I plugged one in while I was doing some chores and I was listening to the song that I've heard, I don't know, a thousand times, like so many times. And there are all these little components to it that I didn't even know were there, you know, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden I was like yep. hearing and it sounded fucking great. And, uh, and the, it was, it was a funny thing. because it, like, it was like, I had a little bit of an emotional response to it actually. It's like to the mm-hmm. improvement in the quality of, of my like hearing life, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it, was just, so it was just a phenomenal thing. I was like, oh, fuck yes. And I'm I'm actually thinking that on the airplane, I'm going to take my over ears also and turn the noise canceling on on those and put my in ear noise. <laughs> mm, yeah. And just go fucking <laughs> silent. It's going to be, I'm very excited about it. It's going to be just so Double good. Double noise canceled. <laughs> Completely noise canceled. Uh, but yeah, so long story short, um, these things are That's very paid. expensive and there's, like, when you're in that noise-canceling tier, whether it's for over-ear, because over-ears are expensive at that tier, too. Yeah, they're all um, expensive once you get... But but they're actually similar. Like, the the over-ear Bose's are, like, 300 bucks or something like that for, mm-hmm. like, the mm-hmm. the 400s. And the, and the newest ones are the 700s, which are good. Like, Bose is always consistently best-in-class for noise-canceling. They right. do have competitors when it comes to actual, like, audio, supposedly, according to audio files. I can't... I, I'm just like, oh, this is magic. I can't... I won't be able to tell the difference, mm-hmm. I am like, think. Sure. Um, so... They're expensive, but if like if noise canceling is important to you, um, and you don't like over ear, it's it's hard to beat these things. And they have it. They they've got some annoyances definitely, and like But the noise canceling. But the noise canceling is so good that I think at least for me, all the other annoyances are just like okay, it's fine. And they actually they are like they're they're bulkier, which is one of the complaints too that people have. Uh, but they don't feel like it once they're in because mm-hmm. they have nice uh like the little wing well. tip, you know, things that. So they don't fall out and stuff, uh, which is better than all my other earbuds that are not noise-canceling, but that just like sit in there, you know? But they always feel like they're about to fall out. <laughs> and so so these ones don't. Um, so they so, nailed it. So they nailed it. They did so, not they Well, did they, not whiff. they whiffed. They whiffed a lot of stuff, but they nailed the things that matter the most to me, which are, is it comfortable to wear for a long time? And does it mm-hmm. cancel the shit out of noise? Yep. And it does those two things. So anyway, Good. if that's the kind of stuff you're into. And you're willing to spend that kind of money on that kind of a thing. To me, it was like such a significant quality of life improvement, uh, for well, something that
1: you're wearing, you know, eight literally a literally all day, day, at every least, day, yeah, if not all day. So like, yep. you know, in terms of, uh, dollars per hour, actually I, I, did, I did, I did exactly that. Math. Thing? Yep.
0: I did exactly that math. Cause I was like, like so it's going to be pennies <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's, we're> like <laughs> per any, hour. In a year, it's going to come down to being like, if you, yeah, if you do it as like an hourly rate, it's going to come down to nothing basically. Mm. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a combination of like, what can you afford to do? And then what are you willing to do? Right. Mm -hmm. Since those are part of the same one. And for, for me in the past, like, they're so expensive. I was like, it has to be perfect. Otherwise, like it's going to feel like a waste, you know? Yeah. But then I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to risk it and see. Cause I guess you can always return them if I don't like it. Right. But I was like, no, the thing that it does well, just fucking nails it. But yeah, especially if you've got sound sensitivity stuff, like, uh, any, where you just like, if you just hate noise, like for me, noises make me enraged. So that's the other thing too, is it generally just improves my just my entire quality of life and well-being. Yeah. You
1: know, that's hell yeah. Worth, worth it. Hell yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we got time for one question, somewhat brief. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Not ready All for right. brevity, uh, but I'm ready for the question. These questions come questions <laughs> come from <laughs> podcast.bscotch.net. The highest upvoted question comes from Ronan Game Dev who says any time a podcast question asks you bros what you would work on given some kind of infinite resource scenario. Seth always mentions moving to 3D. If Crashlands 2 sells 10 million copies or whatever would create this scenario, do you still feel like you would switch to 3D? And how will all the time spent on the game changer affect this decision? Mm. So I'd say actually maybe not. So not uh, the, to which? Anymore. To not The move to 3D. One of the big reasons for the 3D thing was um, trying to offload a lot of the work uh, that I was previously doing in code and stuff to animate and implement art assets mm-hmm. um, because we were using, you know, Inkscape and stuff. So Sam was sort of assembling pieces of things and in, in other programs. And then I was kind of stitching them back together. Uh, well, we've been using Spine for animating. And so that's all on Sam's plate now. And then with with the game changer, it's going even further where we are getting more and more aspects of animation moved into that, so that Sam can add the things to to the game project, add these sprites to the game project, and just tell them how to animate. And uh, you know, I'm not really involved. involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the reason that we would move to 3d then is there's still a few extra things like, um, being able to make, you know, these sort of beautiful scenes with like a- ambient lighting and you know, all the, all the cool lighting effects that you get in 3d. Yeah. Um, and also seeing just, into the distance, I
2: think is like
1: the number one. Yeah. Uh, heavy, having a
2: camera that can go around stuff is yeah. what it comes down to. Right. When yeah. Like-
1: so to me, it's like given infinite, resources in terms of time it's all about time Mm -hmm. right like um i would love to to use unreal engine Mm -hmm. to make something yeah because almost anything especially like i don't know if you guys have seen what's going on with unreal engine 5 oh yeah it's obscene that yeah it's almost it's just it's it's, like i i threw up in my mouth yeah it's so good you you get that you get that ugly Um, face where you're
0: you're kind of mad, you know? You're like, yeah, that.
1: like how could this be this good, you know? Yeah. Um, and how could like uh, I saw a scene where they were showing some other new lighting tech where they had um, it was just a, a, a like a room with a chair in it and like it was basically like a living room scene. Looks like a photograph, you know, of course. Um, but then uh, they didn't have any lights in the room, so no lamps or anything, and there was just a window that had sort of light coming in through the window. And they had a like a big, you know, cube thing that they just like slid in front of the window and you could see that the window, the light coming in through the window was actually just illuminating the whole scene literally identically to how it works in real life. Mm-hmm. So as they slid the thing in front of there, you could see like the lighting of everything changing exactly the way that you would expect it to as you like draw a blind or whatever. Um, And it, it of course, it's all happening in real time, super Mm -hmm. optimized, you know, and I'm just looking at that like, man, like the the beautiful stuff you could make with that kind of tech. Yeah, I think
2: so. the jump would mean would be actually, I think, less one of gameplay or production, which I think is where we were thinking it was previously and be far more so uh, to be able to achieve certain levels of um, it's it's that kind of aesthetic engagement, basically, where. Yeah, you, yep. can, you can look off in the distance. You can swivel the camera around. You can do you know all sorts of incredible lighting stuff, um, which just sort of enhances that sense of immersion and that sort of thing. That's probably the main reason well, to
1: do it. Well, and and there are things you can do with um, you know cutscenes and cinematics. Where like, yeah, if you've got a you know a three D three D models for all of your characters and stuff, then you can use those in in cutscenes. Um, without having to keep redrawing them at different sizes and angles and perspectives mm-hmm. and poses like we have to do in 2D, right? So 3D kind of has that that appeal where you get more bang for your buck once you have an asset. You can Thanks. use it in so many different scenarios. And in 2D, having an asset means like, if you have a character that's walking around in the world, like it's, it's good for that. But if you want a cut scene, you got to draw a bunch of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would like to... Do do 3D, you know, at some point. Um, but then, as far as it comes to the game changer stuff and how that would be affected, it's actually kind of interesting because the whole point of the game changer was to create to separate the data from from the code, uh, the code, right? And so we were kind of laughing about how once we get everything from Crashlands to into the game changer, then in theory. You could actually take that file that includes all the game data and load that up in Unity or Unreal or whatever, and you would have to, you know, rebuild all your game logic. Yeah, the code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the systems would have to be present before it works. But, but all of the data is is there, right? Yeah, the um, portable. And so portable. So, yeah, so it makes the data super portable, which is um, really interesting, right? Uh, and that you know that's not to speak of like all of the web tech that we have in game maker and all of the like ui tooling and the the ui for actually using the game changer is in mm-hmm. game maker. like all that stuff is in there I mean, we have we have a decade of tech that we've built uh in game maker so like the reason we would need sort of infinite time is it would take us a really long time just to get back up to you know well yeah it's not just to do all that right, stuff cause it's not just the the decade
0: of tech that we because cuz always remembering that part of the investment is the process along the way because because taking something we've learned how to do, say like uh, the Game Changer or the UI for it or whatever, and rebuilding that somewhere else, infinitely easier because we've already solved so many of the yep. problems related to the design. Because mm-hmm. people people treat doing the work as if like, oh, the hard part is like the programming or the building it or whatever. No, like that's the work that happens to get there, but the hard part is the design and realizing that mm-hmm. this that the design didn't match reality. And then going back, redesigning, and then reworking, right? The Like the work is a consequence of the design. And so much of the rework is a consequence of just R&D. It's learning what mm-hmm. is and isn't going to work. So when you get to the other side of that, then recreating that is infinitely easier. The thing we won't be able to do, though, is take everything that we've learned about making games from a technical standpoint and go into 3D and then just be like, transfer that, right? Yeah. Because everything about how... Seth would have to tackle the programming would be fundamentally different. The way that Sam would approach how to do and make the art, mm-hmm. completely, absolutely, fundamentally different. What it means to have a good feeling like interaction between like the player character in the world and all that kind of stuff. All of that is so fundamentally different that, yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time like rebuilding tech, definitely. But the vast majority of the cost is going to be basically in like game jam style, trying to figure out how the fuck to make games that Just how do you good. do? Just how do you do stuff? stuff
1: you know? You know? yeah. That's not. That's not to mention. You know, we have an entire deployment pipeline that uses Game Maker, and like we would have to re, we have to rebuild our understanding of how to talk to the game engine and the IDE to get our patches out. And you know, just some of that, that,
0: yeah. Some of that because like anything related to like the the dramatic change in the tech, we don't get to just say, oh, we can just take this wholesale and be done with it, right? Like borrow the idea, just rebuild it. Because when it comes to like making builds of something like like for Unreal games. Uh, or really, any games in the three D space, the asset size is so fucking enormous that you can't use like because we're 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 getting by with like resources that are a lot more available, like tools and techniques and stuff that are that work really well at a smaller scale because that's sufficient for just most things. And so there's tons of resources, there are tons of tools that we can take off the shelf that we've built ourselves. But the moment we get to that space where all of a sudden like we've got gigabytes and gigabytes and gigabytes of yeah. stuff to deal with, you know. Uh, like we can't even we can't even use our fundamental tech stack anymore. Like the whole thing has to change. Yeah.
1: everything's different.
0: Yeah, it would be yeah. it would be a huge like R and D just like just adventure along be a big jump every dimension. And the easiest part, honestly, would be rebuilding the game changer and rebuilding the web tech. Trivial, yeah. basically, because those are the parts that don't really care about the underlying tech. But yeah, now if we wanted else, to be
1: dumb about it, we could. I mean, Game Maker does have three D capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I think Windows only. <laughs> right, sure. I think you've got. I think you've it's got to use target. like direct 3D. Like basically got like right, You know, you don't have to make your own 3D engine per se, but it's close enough to that that. Yeah, I would kind you know, of. There's
2: because there's also there's benefits like, to throwing out your entire production process, right? Oh yeah, that, there are other things that are available to take care of certain things that you maybe built before that you just don't need to build.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's yeah. there's a ton of so. stuff in the 3D space because the market is so big. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I think that uh, you can just use it. Yeah. You, just you get, just get a lot of it. plug and play um for all yeah. or, know, or at least you have
0: something to start with that kind of sucks but still gets the job done while you yeah. then figure out how to manage resources to mm-hmm. remember that. I mean, all that said, I will say though that the stuff we're doing with Crashlands 2 is still in 2D. It's fucking so good. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good. It's so like we I think it was easy to think also that we'd kind of like there was a sense, at least that I had, that it felt like we were kind of running into some limits on what we could do with 2D um, when we've kind of entertained this question before as well. Um, but seeing what we're doing with Crashlands 2, uh, I feel like that nah. very strongly demonstrates that we're not there, that we're not at the point of saturating kind of the cool shit that we can pull mm-hmm. off with within the 2D space, both from a design perspective, but from a technology and visual uh, experience perspective. Um, mm-hmm. We're just... We haven't saturated that yet. So there's still a lot of space there, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, long story short, I don't know. I mean, we'll do what we want. 2D, we're still we're having a great time in 2D right now. We don't plan on switching to 3D. And if we did, it would be pretty wild. We need a long, so, long runway if we were going to do that. And everything would be different. So, yeah. uh, how long, yeah. we, uh,
0: uh, just to spit just to like find it, finish that question out. How many years, let's assume we were going to switch. Let's assume we're going to use uh, Unreal and we wanted to make Crashlands 3D. How much runway would we think would be required to do that before we would feel comfortable with it
1: I would want like two to three years of r& d time I would of basically game jamming uh-huh. and figuring out how to do all the things that we want to do yep and then, before building it right yeah, I'd another, make a, well I just make a smaller game or two in the mean I'd make a yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, that's what I consider yeah. R&D, right? Where it's like, you it may yeah. make a bunch of smaller games where each one is intended to, you know, force you to solve a certain problem that you know you're going to have in the in the big game, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's like, first game would probably be just like, how do you make the game and then deploy it, yep. you know? <laughs> and yeah. then it's like, all right, localization, and then web tech, and, you know, uh, the list goes on. Uh, multiple yeah. form factors, control schemes. Yeah, because I, yeah. I was thinking something on the order of... of- like a five, we would need a minimum
0: five year runway before I would feel comfortable making a switch to that significant for like the whole, everything that we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. I you think know, so. Yeah. Cause yeah, we would need, like you know, we need some amount of time to learn it. And then it's the explore exploit thing, right? Like we need some yeah. time to figure it out. And then, and we, then we got, and, and then we start to gamble on. Yeah.
0: We're to be able to do and then be able to gamble on launches because any one of those mm-hmm. isn't guaranteed to do
1: anything. Yeah. Which I mean, five years isn't that. It's long. not, no, it's not that bad. It's just, yeah, you know, we're just, Got to get that runway. It would be a pretty, yeah, it'd be a pretty, well it'd
0: transition, be
1: a pretty long runway. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Koster for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord running to get more involved in the butterscotch community. Just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the discord, a way for you to donate and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.